Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I am Eddie Quinones. And everyone, welcome back. Our league champion, Damon Herzler. Congratulations, man. Thank you. I'm going to let the applause die down. Wait a second. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, everybody, for having me back. Thank you, Nate and Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah, this we didn't tell you, Damon, but this is your episode, so you can just uh, take us away from here. Oof. Okay, first <laughs> I'm going to change the title <laughs> to no. Damon's a winner. All right, write okay. that down, write that down. <laughs> so let's, let's get into the championship week recap. Uh, we're not just going to go over Damon and I's matchup. We're also going to talk about Scott and Nick's matchup. Um. So let's let's talk about it. Let's get into the the championship matchup itself first. Final score, Damon, you put up 175.9 and I put up 169.32. Um the way that I kind of you know was I was texting you about it, Damon, the way that I was looking at it going into Monday night football with the Bills playing the Patriots was how else could you describe this ending but but by saying that it was a banger? Um, I'll be honest, the start of this matchup for me was extremely disappointing early on on Sunday where neither of our team's players were scoring touchdowns, but the pace kind of picked up as the day went on. Um, Going into Sunday night football, I knew that I wasn't going to have a shot at the title unless Devontae Adams put up a monster game. And funny enough, I decided in my own mind that the exact number of points that I would feel pretty good about from Devontae Adams was 42.9. Now, why this specific amount, you might ask? Well, I was looking at Josh Allen's numbers over his prior four games to this weekend, and he was averaging 25.4 points per game. 42.9 points from Devontae Adams would have put me up by 25.42 points. Well, Devontae Adams did just that, and then a little bit more by scoring 43.2 points on a snowy night in Lambeau, which I'm guessing Damon was pretty pissed about. Um, While I was super happy with Devontae Adams' performance, I definitely wasn't feeling any kind of certainty in terms of locking up the league title. I knew it was just going to come down to a coin flip on how Josh Allen performed. But living up to that X-factor designation that I gave him, Josh Allen topped the 25.73 points that Damon needed from him and ended with 32.3 getting pulled from the game exactly one drive (laughs) after I still held less than a 0.1 point lead over Damon. So I needed him to get pulled one drive earlier and I would have had the title locked up by less than a tenth of a point. It was a crazy ending. But a well con- well deserved congratulations is in order for our league champion, who is the newest member to join the circle of champions. Welcome, Damon. Thank you. I'm happy to take down you know the the reigning brotherhood of champions. <laughs> but it's actually super funny how it played out between me and Nate because as uh, the four o'clock was wrapping up, and Nate was like close, like getting closer to me. I texted Nate. I was like it would be really fitting if it was an Adams versus Allen matchup, my best player versus Nate's best player. And that's exactly what it came down to. And then right before the eight o'clock game, Nate texted me saying, 
that uh, it was going to be a snowy, snowy day. And um, where were they playing? Green Bay. Playing in Green Bay, right? Yeah. yeah, in Green Bay. So I was like, oh, yeah, I got this in the back. Like, there's no <laughs> way Adams puts up a monster game. But I guess if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Devontae Adams, right? And he does it. And there was the drive right before I passed Nate on uh, the Monday night game. Um, the Bills had a drive where Josh Allen didn't move the ball at all. And I thought, man, this might be it. I might lose by 0.8 in the championship. And that, that might have been just the most devastating way to lose, I think. But it ended up not working out that way. Fortunate for me, unfortunate for Nate. But it was a great game. Great game, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and kind of coming into this matchup in, in last week's episode, we were talking about people that needed to perform for both of you guys to kind of solidify your championship. Um, and I think Devontae Adams is one of those ones that I said he needed to step up. And because compared to his past couple of weeks, he hadn't been dropping the kind of numbers that he was putting up for a while. Um, but some of those other players that you guys mentioned, like Kareem Hunt um, and some of them, they just, I don't think they didn't perform to what they needed to perform. Drew Brees with only eight points was extremely disappointing. Um, and even Kyler Murray with only 15 points. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's what really hurt Nate. I think your team had a pretty solid go about it. Um, I just expected that quarterback duo for Nate to, to do a little bit better. Um, but together they dropped, what, 20 23 I think and that's kind of something that I would have expected based on the way that Kyler played in the week before I was kind of expecting that point total point total and maybe even a little bit more from just Kyler just from him yeah Yeah, so it was was disappointing but uh I I mean I saw over under go ahead yeah in our in our over under quarterback section that I had last week in the duos you know, I, what what did I have? I think I had 30 40. For over, or 40 for over yep. under for both of them. And, and I you think guys we all pretty, picked over. Yeah. I think we were all pretty decently comfortable with the idea of them getting to 40. I think that would have pushed you over that hump, obviously. But it's just really unfortunate. It, and the crazy thing, Drew, I don't think Drew Brees even played bad. It's just that yeah, no. Camara you know, had a yeah. historic day. like A, a literal historic un- day. Uh, unprecedented and you you can't predict that at all he took everything and the, it's crazy this, how many players went off though in the championship week which is yeah. right the one touchdown that camara didn't score for the saints in that game of course it was a Taysom hill rushing touchdown right, of course so i saw a tweet um which i kind of needed to see this in order to be a little bit less upset during championship weekend when i pretty much or at least i felt at the time like i was probably going to lose where it said something like, instead of getting tilted during my championship matchups this week, I'm going to try to work on being happy for the people that are winning. And that kind of uh, shifted my mindset a little bit to just like, if it happens, I'm just going to be happy for Damon because it's his first time winning. Thank you. Uh, As well as Eddie and I have already talked about this, but I think it's good for the league to see some new champions. I'm not saying it should be like this kind of, participation trophy type league where we should have a new winner every single year. But like, I think in a vacuum, it's good for different people to win just to kind of show that our league is competitive in that way that anybody can win in any, any given year. So I agree. Um, and it, yeah, and that's a conversation we had that night 
before the game even started, I think me and you were talking and I, and I said, well, it'd be, I was like, I wouldn't mind seeing Damon win, obviously for the fact that he knocked me out. So I lost to the champ. So I feel a little bit better about myself, <laughs> but I said, I think it's good that different people have won the championship. I think everyone every year kind of like that. Yeah. So the only, the only question is, is who's going to be playing me in the championship at this point? Cause you know, like, it's just like LeBron, you don't, there's no finals without LeBron. There's no championship without <laughs> Nate. <you know? laughs> I should, I shouldn't be coming with big talk after just losing in the finals. I, I will say, well, no, I will it's, say so, it's deserved. You can it's see, well if you, you make it every, it's hard to make it even to the playoffs Would you, consistently in the four years that it's been pretty competitive. In the past four years, or I, these past three years, I'd we've say we've done it competitive. Three. Yeah, you have been it to the finals all three, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, First year, uh, it was me and Kyron, which I always forget that because that's like so yeah. unexpected to me. Funny thing is, I I was looking at our league history today. You know who took third place that year? Do you have a guess? Is that the first year? First year we played. Took third place. Yeah. Like it was a completely unexpected finish for the top three, or I should say, like outside of myself, because I know Lucas? how. Was it Marcus? It was Marcus. What? Yeah, Marcus took third place that Marcus. year. So it was me. Kyron took second. Marcus took third. And then last year, I can quickly pull up the history. I lost to Nick in the finals, so I got or Nick got first. Two years. No, this was just last year, 2019. Nick got oh, first. Oh, you won two years ago. Yeah, 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 I won two years ago against okay. Kyron. Last year, Nick beat me in the finals, so he got first. I got second. And JC took third. I forgot about that. I was bad. If you look at me, I think that first year I was like last place or second to last. I had beat Keegan, so I wouldn't finish in last place. And then yeah, you like took place. 11th and then 9th, and then this yeah. year you took 6th. Damon, you, I didn't even realize, but you made it to the semifinals last year because you took 4th place last year. I so, do remember that. So this year was not only I lost a step forward for you, but yeah, you lost yeah, to yeah. JC in the uh, third and fourth place game. So, but l- let's, uh, before we get a little too nostalgic about the league here, let's talk about Scott and Nick, because as Nick commented, you know, as the weekend went on and he was kind of right, this was like the matchup that you would dream of for a championship, but it just so happened that it was our third place matchup. We had a final score, Scott scoring 212.86 points. And Nick scoring 206.98 points. So just a super disappointing week from Nick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They both put up 200. <laughs> they, they, they both put up 200 points. <laughs> they both put up over 200 points. And you would have thought if you're Nick, like if I score 207 points this week, there's no way I lose, right? Yeah. So my first thought was, first of all, where the heck was this performance last week? Like, I'm a thousand percent sure that that's what both of these guys were thinking as they watched their teams explode this past weekend, you know, starting the matchup with a historically great performance. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara looked like he was closing the door on the entire matchup for Scott after tying the NFL record with six rushing touchdowns in one game. Insane. I'm sure Nick, on the other hand, didn't completely give up on the matchup based on his ability to top Eddie earlier in the season when Tyree Kill put up a similarly historically great performance. But, you know, it was going to be an uphill battle for sure from Nick's point of view. Nonetheless, he climbed that mountain and amassed nearly 207 points, like I mentioned, getting big-time production from surprising sources like Juju Smith-Schuster, Nelson Aguilar, Miles Gaskin, and Jeff Wilson Jr. In the end, 
it was going to, you know, it ultimately proved proved to be too much to not only overcome a monster game from Alvin Kamara, but one from Stefan Diggs as well. You know, like the championship matchup, this third place matchup proved to be a banger, albeit in a different way than the championship was. And the third place finish was well-deserved for Scott, who many had as a top two betting favorite to win the title entering the playoffs. I'm confident that both of these guys, Scott and Nick, will be back to take their shots at a championship appearance next season. Yeah, Eddie, what do you have coming away from this? I think so. So my my take last week was on and off. It was on because I had uh, Nick losing, but where I was off is I didn't expect him to put up nearly as many points as he put up, or neither of them. Um, I just wasn't sure if their teams were gonna were were really gonna put up that amount of points. Um, and I'll tell you what. If you really look at from one through six this year, and even at even at seven itself, um, all of those teams, obviously except for Jake, Jake had a rough week, but outside of that, one through six, all of those teams scored above 164 points through this final week. And I think that just for this year, that shows how much depth we've had and how competitive even the playoffs and everything were to this point. But kind of going back to this matchup here. Um, I think it's just really unfortunate for Nick as the night went on when he scored that many points. I was like, I really, I was like, I kind of want him to win. I was like, you score 207 points. Like it's one of those things where you deserve to win. But when somebody outscores you and scores 212, it's just, I think it's just really rough. Um, but it, it was a really, really, really good matchup. I would have taken either of these matchups for a championship matchup. I agree. And, some of my thoughts on it is if you if you tell Nick that you're gonna only lose by six points with your opponent having Kamara and Diggs combined for 90 points and Patrick Mahomes is gonna score under 20 and Christian McCaffrey's not playing you he would have never believed you for a second so that just goes to show how crazy his team went off this week unfortunately for him he didn't pull out the win and if you look at the third place matchup and the championship matchup. I mean, it, it looks besides the, the, the total, it looks the same in terms of um, point differential. The, cha- the point differential is the same, but yeah. besides that um, you, you, everyone thought Scott was going to blow this out with a Camara 56. Um, whenever you look at Nate, his quarterbacks pooping the bed, it, it looks like it's going to be in my favor. And then both matchups, it shifts a little bit to the other side and then it comes back to me and Scott with our our best players or second best players having to go out and get us to win and then you know so it kind of they look like the same type matchups which is kind of cool yeah good old Buffalo I I told Nick you know before Monday Night Football started I said it it's kind of looking like we're either gonna rise together or die together here because those two matchups just like you said they the pendulum swung in Nick and I's favor heading into Monday night football, but depending on how Buffalo performed, you know, obviously in the end it swung back to you and Scott because you guys were the beneficiaries of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs going off. So definitely a super cool ending. Um, Even more unique, just like you just pointed out, Damon, that both matchups were kind of predicated on one particular offense on the last regular season game of our fantasy football season. So Super that's, cool way to end. That's probably never going to happen again, which is super crazy. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and even crazier, in my opinion, not only that, you know, both matchups were decided on the last game of our fantasy football season, but just the fact that they were both within six points, that's, I think that that's pretty crazy. I consider yeah. that a razor thing. Like, even though, you know, six points, you see it and it's not as bad of a beat as, say, like 0.2 points. You know, some of those ones that you would see on Twitter right. under Matthew Barry's tweets or whatever that people post. It's not as crazy as those, but I still consider anything under 10 points to be a razor thin, mm-hmm. you know, fantasy football matchup. So it's just a super cool way that our league finished with those being really close. Yeah. Um, and that go ahead. you're talking about um, who is going to be closer last week. And yeah. I guess no one was right. Whoever yeah. we picked. Or you whoever know. was right was right by like half a point. Or half a point, right? <laughs> yeah. If you want to get pick, if you want to go. Yeah. Ahead. <laughs> Speaking of, and I'll uh, highlight this a little bit later. I picked um, our matchup for my like weekly bets, Damon. I picked over 346 points. I think we combined for 345.22 points. So I missed on that bet by less than uh, 0.8 total. But... Yeah, That's crazy. that was a good. That was a good line that Jake set. I mean, if nothing else, it just goes to show that he set a really good line on that matchup. Oh yeah. Draft order preview. So this was something that we discussed in the group chat this past weekend, and we officially decided that uh, we were going to blend a lottery system and the new method of deciding the draft order, which is that people are going to select their draft spots. Um, I think that that's just a really fun way to do it. I think Sean also had a good idea with kind of combining this lottery system in order to divvy out these draft pick selections. Um, So here's how we're going to do it. Seventh through 12th place each year are going to get the highest odds at their first pick for any draft spot one through 12. And what that's going to work out to is each of them are going to get an 11% chance. And then working your way down from sixth place to first place Sixth place is going to get, you know, next highest all the way down to our league champion is going to get lowest percentage at potentially getting the first selection of picks one through 12 in the draft. So the way that that worked this year, um, I'm, it doesn't necessarily matter seven through 12 because you guys are all going to get the same odds, but I'll, I'll read what our final standings finished as. So Keegan finished in 12th place. Um, obviously that team is going to be taken over by a new owner we don't know who that's going to be yet he has an 11 percent chance that new owner of getting uh first dibs at picking his draft spot in 11th place we had kyron again same thing 11 percent chance michael finished in 10th place same thing 11 percent sean finished in ninth jake finished in eighth and lucas uh, not that it mattered really, because like I said, same odds and no money on the line, but Lucas kind of grinded his way through the consolation bracket and finished in seventh place. I thought that was interesting. Um, so the way, just as we, before I move forward with this, the way that this will work is whoever's name is pulled first. Um, and I'm going to use kind of like a random online generator and I'll screen record it or whatever, so that there's no um, suspicions of meddling or anything like that. But whenever somebody's name is pulled for the first selection of draft spots one through 12, their name 
the other entries that they have in this lottery ball, so to speak, all of them are going to be removed. And then there's going to be that many entries left, that many names left, which is a hundred minus however many they had, if that explanation makes sense. So if Keegan's name was pulled or whoever takes over his team was pulled first, then all 11 Keegan's will be pulled out of the ball of 100, 100 names. And then there's only going to be 89 names left between the rest of us. Um, and we'll do that all the way until we have all 12 spots taken up. I have a question. If Go ahead. do uh, this can just be up for consideration, but do we want to instead when a name is pulled, keep uh, like put the ball back in and keep all of their entries back in so that it, it like holds the integrity of the, the probabilities or well, because don't question, the prob- it, doesn't it, the probability it, get messed up when you take out, when you take out not the necessarily names you because if you pulled his name out again, that second time, then it's irrelevant because they don't, they're not in it anymore. They can't pick again. All right. I understand if, if you pull no, I see out their name again, I know what you're saying, but you would just disregard if you pull out people's names twice, but you just want to keep the integrity of the, the probability is what I, I know what you're saying because the rest of us aren't going to have the same percentage chance like Kyron, Michael, Sean, Jake, Lucas, they're not going to have an 11% chance anymore. And Eddie's not going to have a 10% chance anymore. So on and so higher. forth. Yeah. However, Kyron, Michael, Sean, Jake, and Lucas are still going to have a higher percentage than Eddie, so it doesn't who matter. has a higher percentage okay, yeah. than JC, who has a higher percentage than Nick. It's That's a good fair. thought, and I think it does technically change the probabilities, but it doesn't necessarily alter people. It doesn't change the order of probability over the person that they finish below. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. I was just wondering. No, Plus, fine. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure that like the those computer generated programs would allow you to do it the way that you suggested but either way you know either way it works out to be that the lower that you finish in the standings the higher chance yeah. you have over i guess the exact probability doesn't matter it's just the order of the probability that's sure that's the- so i named 7 through 12 in sixth place we had eddie who uh i don't think that you were intentionally trying to throw because i don't think that you were trying to five head this eddie but you actually didn't hurt any type of shot at money that you had, but also improved your chance at a higher um, spot to pick from. So maybe an accidental five head move from you. JC beat you for fifth place. So he has an, by the way, you had a 10% chance if I didn't mention that. No, yeah, JC, yeah. JC finished in fifth. So he has an 8% chance. Nick finished in fourth. He has a 6% chance. Scott, of course, finished in third. He has a 5% chance. I was the runner-up, so I'll have three entries out of 100, and Damon was our champion, so he'll have two entries out of 100. You guys have anything to uh, clarify or add to that, or can I just move on? No, No. I think you're good. Sounds good. Cool, cool, cool. So this was something new that I thought of um, just now. Otherwise, I maybe would have kept track of some of these as the season went along and maybe I will incorporate that when we bring the podcast back next season or who knows, maybe I will just save it for our last episode of each season. It's our league records. So I've decided to start keeping track of some of the league records to carry forward with us as the years go on and wanted to share the results from this season. Um, because one, I didn't have access to any of our prior season stats to kind of, compare this season to prior seasons and two 
um, because we didn't have the podcast, I never really had a reason to track anything like this before. So that's why we're just kind of starting our league's historical records with the 2020 season. And if anybody has any suggestions for other record categories, please let me know. Um, I'm definitely open to track those as well. So best regular season win percentage is our first record. That, of course, belongs to Scott now, who had a 769 win percentage. Scott, the helmet in the bush, finishing 10-3 and three this year in the regular season. So that record will belong to him until somebody finishes with a better than 769 win percentage in the regular season in future years. And just as a reminder, starting next season, we're actually going to do a blended head-to-head record format where we're going to have our normal head-to-head records, just like ESPN divvies out every single year. But we're also going to track, you're going to technically get two matchups per week where we're comparing your score to the top five. Uh, we have, what, 12 teams, top six teams, and bottom six teams each week. So the top six scores each week will get a second win, or I guess a first win. It depends on what they did in their head-to-head matchup. Regardless, they're going to get a win for that second matchup and the bottom six teams will get a loss for that second matchup. So it doesn't really affect anything in terms of win percentage, but it will, I think, introduce a different dynamic to head-to-head records, if that makes sense. Um, Most team points in a single matchup was the second record that I recorded. That was 232.38. And that was from my team in week seven. Um, and I think I played Lucas that week, who also put up a pretty good week himself. I think he had it somewhere in the 180s. And that's when he, I think that was the turning point of the season for him. He got really down on himself and on his team because he was basically saying, like, if I can't beat you when I put up 185 points, I'm, not, I'm just going to lose this year or something like that. Well, he was right, because the next record I have is least team points in a single matchup, and that happened the very next week, week eight. It was 71.44 points from Lucas, whose team name at that time was Play With My Balls. I don't know if we're ever going to see, um, you know, from a full lineup as the low of a point total, as long as we're doing two QB, two flex again. So I think that might be, that might be here to stay, that 71.44 team points in a single matchup record. Next one I had was most points from an individual player in a single matchup. Despite Alvin Kamara's performance this past week in in the uh, championship week, it actually belongs to Tyreek Hill, who put up 57.9 points in his week 12 game. I think you were playing Nick, right, Eddie, that week? Uh, Yeah, because that's when uh, Derrick Henry also had a crazy game. Yeah. So Nick was actually able to... Still squeaked that one. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, he was able to overcome that huge game from Tyreek Hill, but that's that's a crazy game. That's pretty close to, probably pretty close to, like, best game all time in fantasy. Yeah. Um, Second to last record that I tracked, most points from a flex-eligible player in a single season. And this one shouldn't be a surprise. 377.8 points from Alvin Kamara. They say that the best best, uh, ability is availability. And... That obviously proves true here because I think if Devontae Adams was able to play a full season, he might have caught Alvin Kamara, but he missed two and a half games. So this this record is Alvin Kamara's to defend heading was into he, next was year. Was he close, Adams, to uh, Kamara? I believe at all? he was in the 340s. Yeah, Let me he's pretty close. Double check that. 
who else would it be up there? Tyree Kill. Uh, uh, if we're talking about flex eligible players, first it was Camaro with 377. Then it was Devontae Adams with only 36 less points than him, but two and a half less games than him. I'm just saying. Dalvin Cook was third with 337. Tyree Kill was fourth, 328. Stephon Diggs finished a little bit behind them, 314. Those are the top five. Crazy enough, Travis Kelsey was sixth with 312. That's crazy. That's pretty wild. Yeah, Travis had a, a great year. And then the last record that I tracked, uh, most regular season team points in a single season, which was 2,096.84 points. That was from my team, the 99 Club. So um, those will be our records uh, that I keep track of moving forward. Like I said, if anybody has any other suggestions, I would be happy to track them. But those are the ones that I just kind of came up with on the spot. Let's get to our season in review. And I'm excited to talk about this. This was something that Nick actually texted me a couple nights ago and suggested that we do for this final episode of the year. And I thought, yeah, this is a great idea. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the best draft value, the fantasy MVP, and best waiver ad. And of course, each of us made individual selections here, so it wasn't some kind of consensus agreement. So hopefully we get some variety with the answers here. Best draft value. I will share first that, and, and Nick actually gave me the ideas for each of these categories as well as, as well as a pick. So since he was the one that kind of made the suggestion to me that we do this segment, I told him that I would include his picks here on the episode. So his pick for best draft value was James Robinson, and his honorable mention was Stefan Diggs. But I will toss it to you first, Damon. Who was your pick for dra- best draft value? So I'm going to go all the bias in the world here and say Justin Jefferson at 125 to end up being the number eight receiver overall. That's, that's who I have as my best draft value. And the honorable mentions, uh, not, not too many come to mind that I don't think that you guys will touch on. So I'm going to just send it to eddie then sounds good yeah um so with my number one you mentioned him as an honorable mention but stefan diggs he is the number three overall wide receiver he was taken in the seventh round and there was 25 plus wide receivers taken ahead of him um and for what he did this year he's had a monster year um so i think right there that's a really good one i had two honorable mentions i had james robinson um it was kind of a toss up. I think James Robinson for me was clearly a number one, but I kind of wanted to stray away from that. Cause I knew that you were going to touch on that. So I wanted to have somebody different here. Sure. Um, and then my next one was Darren Waller, number two tight end in the league. There was five tight ends taken ahead of him and he was taken in the fifth round. Um, and I think Darren Waller had a great year um, and kind of where you took him and who was taken ahead of him. I think it worked out really well for him. Well, don't, you know, I, I appreciate the credit, but I didn't actually draft him. No. Yeah, no. I, for who, for whoever drafted, cause you traded for him. Yeah. But it was yeah. more so of just overall in general, the value of that draft pick. I think, I think actually Keegan was the one that drafted him, believe it or not. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was a great pick. Yeah. My pick. Um, I agree with my brother, James Robinson. I think that he was the best draft value. He ended the year as running back four while missing a game. He was picked in round 17. He was picked number 203 overall. Um, 
you know, if there's one universal truth in fantasy football, it's that stud running backs are few and far between. And a guy that produced to the level that Robinson did this season might not be available in the last two rounds of of the draft like he was this year for maybe another 10 years. Um, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen again, but for a guy like that to be out there and for somebody to be, I don't want to give myself too much credit here because back then I was just taking a guess, right? But for somebody to be savvy enough to like pick that guy super late and hold him, like not cut him after not putting up great production in weeks one or two, I don't think that we're going to see that happen again, you know, for another five or six years. Like, I don't think that that's going to be a common occurrence. I stand by my statement earlier this season that this was and probably will remain my draft, my best draft pick ever made in fantasy football, just purely based on the production, the spot I drafted in him in and his specific position of running back, which I think, you know, just like I said, originally, I think running back is kind of the hardest position to draft because there's so many busts. So honorable mentions for me, I had a lot because I think there were a lot of great draft picks. My first one was Justin Jefferson, which Damon, you know, made his selection as Mm -hmm. he was wide receiver eight on the year. Just like Damon said, picked in round 11, 125th overall. My second honorable mention was Stefan Diggs, who Eddie brought up. He was wide receiver three overall, picked in the seventh round, specifically 79th overall. And my third honorable mention, although I'm kind of bummed that I didn't pick Darren Waller because that was a good pick, Eddie, for honorable mention. Mm-hmm. I picked DK Metcalf, who finished as wide receiver six. Mm-hmm. He was picked in the sixth round, pick number 70 overall. And Nick's honorable mention there was Stefan Diggs. Anything to, to add to that best, dra- best draft value segment, fellas? No, nah, not that I can think of. Either. I'm good okay. there. Yeah. Cool. Fantasy MVP. Uh, my pick for this was pretty easy. Devontae Adams, wide receiver one. And by the way, that was Nick's pick as well. Yeah. I chose Devontae Adams over Alvin Kamara here for one reason and one reason only. He was wide receiver one by double-digit points after missing two and a half games. If that's not enough, Devontae Adams scored the most fantasy points per game by any wide receiver in history this season at 26.3 points per game, surpassing Jerry Rice's 33-year-old record of 26.2 points per game in 1987. That is my fantasy MVP. I can't, I can't fault you. At all, because and and how much is Devonte paying you to say all these nice <laughs> things about him? Devonte paid me. I don't know what it, what what's the second place payout? The second place whatever, payout. Whatever, the second, yeah. Yeah, whatever that whatever that payout was. Oh, what'd, you, what'd you have, Eddie? Uh, I think it was pretty easy. I had Devonte Adams there. Uh, there's I don't think there's anyone with his level of production. And as you said. He had a historic year this year. I, th- I mean, by far, I think it's him. Um, the next two closest that I had to that were Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Because uh, towards the end of the season, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook were kind of going back and forth. They were really close um, point total wise. Um, but I just I think by far it had to be Devontae Adams for me um, because of the position that he plays. He put up RB1 numbers, which is insane. And if he would have played those two and a half games, I think it's very obvious that he would have finished ahead of Alvin Kamara as number one player in fantasy overall. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Damon, what did you have? 
just to be a little different, I'm going to go here, Josh Allen as MVP for two reasons. One, because of the position that he is as quarterback and how valuable it is in our double quarterback league to be the number one overall quarterback is huge for any team. And then the second reason is because how the championship played out and he was, he was able to go out there and secure the victory. If Devonte ends up scoring 50 and, and winning the championship, he, then I have to give it to him there. But because Josh Allen, got the victory yeah that's a, in the position he plays i'm gonna have to give it to josh allen that's a fair pick because not only did he secure you the championship he actually secured quarterback one overall status by less than two points over kyler is Murray. It that close over wow. over one point what is that nine points you finished ahead of kyler murray and we were just talking about best draft value you took josh allen i think in the fifth round damon yeah, I think in a two quarterback league, I think it is. Yeah, in a two quarterback yeah. league, that that's insane draft value right there. Getting QB one outside of the top fifty picks, um, so I can't fault you for that pick. Um, Devontae Adams, just just kind of wrapping up this fantasy MVP conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask, like, recency bias, yeah, but actually, was this the most dominant fantasy year we've ever seen from a wide receiver? I think. For me, it is from a wide receiver. I think so. I know. I know. Back in like 2014, 15, and this was a little while back. I know Odell had a really strong season, pretty similar to this, not to the to the capacity that it was, because obviously Devontae Adams had a really strong one. But from recency and just kind of looking overall to where the team is, where they're going, what it did for fantasy owners and values, I think so. Yeah, wide receiver. Without a list in front of me, I think so. But do we do we think Christian McCaffrey last year or or uh, Devonte, who's having a better season here? Who would I want on my team? Who would I, you? I, I think. I, I mean, who would you want on your team? It kind of could I think be Christian. A I think. Biased. I think most people are gonna take Christian just because he's RB one with the Panthers. They don't really have a great quarterback, so he's gonna get his touches. He's gonna get the ball. I would take McCaffrey. Uh, but yeah, but I I think what makes Devonte Adams more impressive was that he put up those kind of numbers mm. as a wide receiver. Yeah, and as a that wide receiver, crazy. you have two to three other people on the field competing for catches. He continuously got those reps and got those opportunities. As a running back, you're normally, especially like Christian McCaffrey, you're gonna get the ball anywhere from fifteen to twenty five times in a game. So he's gonna have those chances. Plus the PPR. Yeah, that yeah. comes along with the yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just to to go full circle on this conversation, Eddie, we talked earlier this season about is there any shot um, that Devonte Adams cracks your top five overall picks in the draft next year? Now that we've seen the full body of work, I'll ask both of you guys: Would you consider if you're at number five taking Devonte Adams? Would you consider it? I'm not going to say would you pull the trigger. But would you consider I, I would. It? I would consider it, but I don't. I don't think I'd pull the trigger. I think it's someone that I'd have on my list. Like, should I do it? But like I just said, because of the dependency on those receptions. Don't get me wrong. I know Aaron Rodgers is going to throw him the ball 24/7. Like I know that most wide receivers aren't guaranteed at least 10 targets a game. Devontae Adams is guaranteed at least 10 targets a game. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if you look at what's going to be available at at a five, even at a five, 
um, with everyone that's out there. I just think it's really hard to pass up on some of those other players. I I agree. I would definitely consider it, but the next like who would be the next best running back would it be in question? And then also, we have to assume that the Packers are going to go out there and get a a viable wide receiver too to help out the Packers in the off season. Um, that plays a big part in my decision making there. Sure, and I can't blame you guys even though there's a lot of recency bias on the table here for as dominant as Devonte Adams was think who that was last year, the wide receiver that everybody was talking about was amazing for fantasy. It was Michael Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. He went pick seven this year and what a disappointment he was. I'm not saying in any way that Devonte Adams is going to do next year. What Michael Thomas did this year. I don't think that that's going to happen, but it's not a sure thing. Usually when you see a historical year, you're going to be disappointed if you kind of expect something similar from that player the next season. As and well. I would say this, I think that was just a theme of our top, top picks in fantasy this year. Everyone disappointed for the most part um, in the first round. Sure. So, yeah. There was only a few players that I think kind of held their own throughout the year, but there was a lot of injuries and there were just players that just didn't perform very well throughout the year. So. Yeah. And I, if I forgot to mention it, I, I think I did, but. If I did happen to forget to mention it, Nick picked Devontae Adams for his fantasy MVP as well. Um, Best waiver ad. I will toss it to Damon first. Um, Just because I knew you guys were going to touch on some other guys and my memory is not too clear on who was was picked up and who was drafted late. So I'm going to have to go here some bias again and say Logan Thomas is best waiver ad um, at number five overall tight end um, for to be picked up even, you know, late in the year at that too, when like a lot of waiver guys are worthless or they just a hold little value to get the top five overall tight end. I think that's pretty big. I have, I have one that will top, top you right now that I don't even plan on talking about in this segment, but it's the guy that's right in front of him, tight end four, Robert Tunyon. Yeah. But at, yeah, not he, really he not really up. to top you, but just to say two no, guys no, no, that no, finish yeah, in yeah. the top but five, it's interesting that they didn't. I don't, I don't know him. when he was picked up, but I, I'm going to guess he's picked up way earlier than when way I picked earlier, up Way earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yours was definitely like a late. When Logan Thomas was emergent. picked up, he was tight end. I want to say it was like tight end 13 or 14 at the time, something like yeah. that, because Nick picked him up and I was, I think it was Nick or somebody picked him up. And that week I was actually looking to pick up Logan Thomas with my waiver, but someone took him ahead of me. So he was on yeah. my watch list for a long time, but I had yeah. already had three tight ends on my roster. So I couldn't add him, but yeah, he was, he was first added back on September 16th. Mm-hmm. He spent time on one, two, three, Four different teams this season. Wow. Never well, threw I mean, a trade. That's All not unexpected for tight ends. Yeah. Especially yeah. A, a not uh, a, like household name tight end. They they bounce around. Sure. Eddie, who'd you have for best? So for ride? me, I had had made a little oopsie with the whole James Robinson thing because I had completely forgot the situation with him um, earlier in the year when you accidentally drafted the, the wrong person at the very end of the draft. So he was technically a draft pick showed up as a waiver. I had him, but to scratch that I had, uh, add Jason Sanders kicker. Number one, um, 
He was number even, one. Kicker number <laughs> one. Listen, I gotta throw it out there. I just have to to That's to so have funny. a kicker that can get you at least ten points a week. I think is a really good place to be in. Because um, some kickers and, and many kickers, except for you know Justin Tucker, like like those kind of kickers, um, most other kickers are going to be very volatile, up and down. Um, and to be kind of kicker number one and kind of sustain roughly 10 points a week, somewhere around there, there were 13 kickers actually drafted ahead of him. Um, and he wasn't even drafted. He went straight to waivers. So, and he actually hung out in the waivers for a while. I didn't pick him up till I think the second half of the season. So that's my, my waiver ad. Honestly, let's go back to fantasy MVP. I'm picking Jason Sanders. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we make fun, but there's – I don't know how many – I mean, we all probably draft a kicker, right, in the in the draft, so – Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know some kickers – Not all of us can be like back. you, Damon, where you have Tucker. That <laughs> Tucker didn't it. even show out is where he I didn't. drafted him, though. He didn't. I, right, and if you look at people below that, there's probably a lot of skill players that, that go under a lot of kickers. Like, so. he yeah. scored 160 fantasy points this year. As a kicker, that's pretty good. But yeah. Young Lee Koo was kind of putting up those numbers he for did. a little bit too, though. Yeah, he he had three points less than him. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. That field goal he missed last week. That field goal he missed. He would have had number one. Yeah. He would have had number one with that field he probably goal. Probably would have. Feels so. bad for Falcon fans. For I guess not Scott since he won his matchup, but the Chiefs won on his on that miss. On that miss, yeah. How lucky can you get? A and guy that, that been... has made twenty—he he made twenty-seven straight before that. But to lock up the number one seed, he misses from thirty yards. How lucky can you get? Yeah. I digress. My best pick, my pick for best waiver ad was Justin Herbert, who finished the season as QB ten. This was also Nick's pick um, for best waiver ad. Herbert took over in week two, and he was about six at the at season's end. He was about sixteen points away from a top seven QB finish on the season which he presumably would have gotten had he started that first game of the season. Jake was pretty quick to pull the trigger on this ad, scooping him up back on September 23rd, which just goes to show you how quick you have to be in our league when it comes to seeing QB value out there on waivers. Um, My honorable mention, which this was Nick's pick as well for honorable mention. And Eddie, I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't your guy. For best waiver ad, Cole Beasley. My you man. Yeah, I was gonna say you didn't think of your boy, <laughs> Cole Beasley. So I, I had actually, I, I did think of him when I was kind of looking through this list and thinking about it. And Cole Beasley had a really good year. I think as a waiver ad, he had a really good year. Um, but I guess I, I was just kind of having a little bit of that recency bias and and looking at Jason Sanders and what he did for me at the point. Yeah. Um. And it was just one of those things. Well, I even looked at it. Cole Beasley as a wide receiver only had 40 more points than than my kicker. That's true. So Cole Beasley finished the season as wide receiver 16. And I made a, I actually made a joke earlier this year about Cole Beasley having a monster year for fantasy. And while I wouldn't classify what Beasley did this year as a monster season, it was definitely a very good performance. You know, you take a top 20 season at the wide receiver position Anywhere after probably the first three rounds of the draft, you'd be happy with getting a top 20 wide receiver, yeah. let alone for free, you know, at a cost of a simple waiver claim. Mm-hmm. 
Eddie added Cole Beasley one week after we saw Herbert make his fantasy debut on the roster um, back on September 30th. That's when Beasley was added. He would end up sticking around on Eddie's team for nearly two months until trade deadline week in which he helped Eddie complete that blockbuster trade where he got, did you get Russell Wilson and Julio back in that deal? I just got Russell Wilson in that deal, bro. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Julio Julio did nothing. (laughs) Uh, It was a move I had to make, but it is what it is. Hey, I'm, I'm just saying like take Cole Beasley's production out of the conversation. If you just look at it as like a waiver wire pickup helped you land a trade where you got Russell Wilson and Julio Jones, that's, that's good. He did well. He did really well this year. I was I was yeah. presently pleasantly surprised at how well he did after I picked him up. And he and he maintained it. He was he had one down week when I had him, I think. And then other I than breed. that, he, he was he was doing really well. So Yes, sir. Around the league segment. Let's uh wrap up by giving the final league bet standings. So finishing in last place out of those who participated was Eddie in fourth place with three points. Eddie, you swung for the fences this week and ended up striking out. <laughs> so Eddie missed on all five of his bets, and here they were. I'll kind of shoot them out in rapid fashion. He bet the parlay of Damon covering the spread at 14 points as an underdog. He hit on that, but missed on Scott covering as an 11-point favorite. Bet a parlay of me scoring under 180, which was correct. Damon over 166, which was correct. Nick under 163, that was incorrect. And Scott under 174, also incorrect. So he missed on that. Bet on a parlay of Jeff Wilson Jr. over 11.9, that was a hit. Juju Smith Schuster under 13.1, that was a miss. So that busted the parlay. Derrick Henry over 20, also missed. Pat Mahomes over 24.7, also a miss. Disappointing. Fourth parlay, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> over 24.5. You nailed that one. Browns, over 7.8. You missed on that, but Jake technically said at the very beginning of the bets, we're not doing defenses or kickers. Oh. I completely forgot about that until I was so recording I. your bets, so it didn't even matter at that point. But the Browns beef defense did bust that parlay. Young Ho Koo, over 8.3. I didn't even check at that point because I saw that the Browns busted it, so I don't even know if he hit over that. Mitch Trubisky did score over 19.3, which you took that bet. Um, but like I said, the Browns defense busted that parlay. Let's find out right now. Koo definitely didn't hit. He had he had one point. Oof. It's tragic. Your last parlay of the week was Devontae Adams under 24.5. That was a freezing cold take. Kareem Hunt, <laughs> Kareem Hunt over 11.3. That did hit. And Logan Thomas over 12.5. That did not hit. So that was a busted parlay. Yeah. Jake finished in third place with four points. He did not make a bet this week. Shame on Jake. Shame. Second place, Nick with seven points. He missed on all five of his bets this week, which were me over 180. Bummer. That would have won me the, <laughs> that won me the championship. <laughs> At Mahomes over 24.7. That missed as well. He made a parlay of Jeff Wilson Jr. over thir- over 11.9. That was a hit, but he also bet Juju Smith-Schuster under 13.1, who popped off. Made a parlay of Derrick Henry over 20, which he did not get, and Melvin Gordon over 12.3, which he did, but the parlay is busted. His last parlay was Stephon Diggs under 19.5, another freezing cold take, and Cole Beasley over 11.6. If he would have bet that opposite, Stephon Diggs over, Cole Beasley under, he actually would have hit on that. Listen, you know what's extremely unfortunate? My most confident over-under that I made was that Patrick Mahomes 
And that I was, was like, the one that missed. One and of them it that missed. missed. It was one of the ones that missed. But out of all the ones that I made, I was like, there's no way he doesn't get over 24.7 points. And he didn't get it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And your snack champion, since I couldn't become <laughs> the actual league champion. <laughs> you got to win somewhere. Me with 10 points. I hit on one bet this week. Uh, so crappy week, but I guess better than everyone else because this I was the only one to have one winning bet. Um, Scott versus Nick, I took under 337. That was a huge miss. Uh, they scored like 420 or something like that. Blaze yeah. it. My second bet was Nate versus Damon over 346. I missed on this by less than a point. So great line by Jake there. Uh, third bet was a parlay. Kyler Murray over 22.5 and DeAndre Hopkins over 18. Those were kind of wishful thinking and neither hit their over. Disappointing. Kareem Hunt was my fourth bet over 11.3. I did hit on that one. So that was plus one. And then my last bet, Derrick Henry over 20. We all expected him to have a monster game. He didn't. That was a miss. I got plus one ended with 10 points. So I guess I'll be buying myself a snack for the draft. Take that, Damon. (laughs) Spend your own money. (laughs) He said that $66 I just won, getting myself a snack. He he takes it out of the league winning. (laughs) Yep, I am. taking this. I'll be be taking this. This is for my snack. $20. Fantasy over under. Eddie, I'll toss this to you to share the results of this season. So with the results, the winner winner would be Nick. He was a four and two. Uh, his win percentage was six six hundred and sixty seven point six six seven. Next, we had Nate at a fifteen and fifteen record at a five hundred win percentage. Then we had Michael at one and two. Those are actually yeah. backwards, Eddie. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that as I'm reading it accident. off right now. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to mine and then go to Michael. Uh, I'm at ten and seventeen. Horrible. But if this was baseball, it's a pretty good batting average, point three seventy. Um, then Michael right underneath me at one and two at point three three three, and then you have Jake and Damon who are absolutely horrible at an zero and one and an zero and two record with a zero winning percentage. Yeah, Damon. How could you not get? Yeah. You had me staring at four and two, right. confused on. for a minute that whole time you were reading it. I was just looking at that. Like, um, <laughs> I went by point six six seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what did what did you feel so far? I guess I'll ask you, Nate, and then I'd, I'd kind of like everyone's feedback on kind of how this segment went and how everybody liked it. But kind of, how did you like it as the year went on? I like it. In the sense that I loved that we were doing the open betting for playoffs where there was actually something on the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that this preceded that in the sense that it gave kind of exposure to what, like, even though Damon didn't understand it, I guess he shared it on last week's episode <laughs> with uh, not wanting to get involved because he didn't know if he was doing the bets right. I think, in a way, it kind of gave exposure to sports betting a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a pretty cool segment to incorporate. Just a fun little, like, you know, you make your own judgment calls. Yeah, I agree. That's how I, I felt about it. Yeah. Um, I have some ideas. I might tweak this a little bit next year and everything, but stuff that are still floating through my mind. But overall, it's a pretty good segment. I liked it. You could always expand it to where yeah. we do that side bet competition 
for the entire season and everybody participates in your weekly fantasy over unders and we do like a you know a little side prize at the end of the season for everybody uh, yeah. the best winning and that's percentage. something that's something that I had thought about early in the year but there just wasn't enough time for me to actually formulate everything and get everything really sure. set so once I kind of establish it a little bit more over this off season I might might take a shot at it but yeah yeah me Nick and our dad, when we were really young, used to do this thing that we would call NFL polls, where we would pick the winner of every single game, every single weekend in the NFL. And we would do like a, I don't even remember what the prize was, but at the end of the season, whoever had the best overall record got some kind of prize. So I feel like this segment could turn into something similar to that. And I always thought that that was so fun when I was yeah, that'd little. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty fun. So, so yeah. All right, uh, getting close to the end of our final episode of this fantasy football season. It's going to be sad because it's going to be almost, what, eight months that we're going to be out of commission for our fantasy football podcast. So let's savor these last few moments with a league trophy announcement. So this is something that a couple of us have been waiting on maybe for multiple years now. So next season, what I'm going to do is likely provide three options for a league trophy. A cheap one, you know, a middling ground one, and an expensive one. My guess, you know, intuition tells me that we're probably as a league going to pick the middle one. The purchase is going to come directly out of the league buy-in, uh, out of the, the total league pot. This is going to reduce each payout. Uh, so I, let me give an example. I mentioned that our payout is probably going to stick to what it has been which is where third place gets their money back. And then first and second place split the remaining pot 70-30. So that the, way, the way that this trophy purchase is going to affect payouts next year, if we stick with that current sample or that current system of paying out, it's going to reduce each payout by the percentage of the pot that the purchase reduces it by. So I have an example because that sounds confusing. If we spent $60 total on the league trophy... This will reduce our pot by 10% because the total pot will fall from $600. You know, like I said, we're going up to a $50 buy-in. 50 times 12 is 600. It'll fall from 600 to $540. Accordingly, with that 10% reduction in the total pot, each payout is going to be reduced by 10% as well. So the original first place, first place payout with a $600 pot would be $385. That would be reduced by 10% to 346.5. What am I saying? This is money. $346.50. <laughs> the original second place payout of 165 would be reduced to $148.50. And the original third place payout of $50 would be reduced to $45. After we buy the trophy, our yearly fee is not going to be nearly as much because all we're going to have to pay for is the inscription of the champion's name on the trophy. Um, and I think what I'm going to do, if you guys are okay with this, if the league at large is okay with this is I'm going to be putting all three of the champions names that we've had on the trophy since the inception of the league mm -hmm. so that none of our league champions are erased from history. league history. You know, none of their titles are erased purely based on the timing of when we buy a trophy. I 100% agree. So yeah, that's my plan with the. Yeah, that's my plan. Uh, it'll kind of be like a one-year, slightly less payout, but I don't think... 
I don't think anybody's. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Yeah, I'm so. still winning money. Maybe maybe third place will be like, hey, I want my five dollars, but everybody else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay, so last uh, real segment, I guess you could call it. I just threw this in like as a you know closing the season out. We've already touched on this a little bit, but draft risers and fallers. So I'm going to give you guys a couple couple players that I think are going to rise in the ranks for draft season, a couple that I think are going to fall. And I'm all, of course, talking relative to where they went this past season. So what I want to know from you guys is where will these guys go relative to where they went this past year? Potential risers. I have Josh Allen, who was picked in round five, pick number 53. Where in our in the context of our league specifically to QB, where do you guys think that Josh Allen is going to go next uh, next season? I think I think with Stephon Diggs being there and, and having a really good system, um, and I think people are going to pay a little bit close attention to kind of these final weeks in the playoffs and see kind of how that how they go there. Either way, I think Josh Allen will probably probably bump down around maybe the fourth round. I can see I could even see late third round. Somebody kind of reaching for him there. Um, but I'd say at least a round is what I'm saying. I, I go a lot higher than that, especially with how high that um, I drafted Lamar Jackson. I think that Josh Allen might take Lamar's place there. I don't think nothing will touch Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think Josh might even go late second, maybe even higher. And I, and, and and I guess w- one thing that I want to look at from that aspect is the whole thing you mentioned with Lamar. Obviously, Josh Allen is is a different style quarterback. Throws the ball a lot better. Can still scramble pretty well. Um, but my thing is 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 he gonna have a Lamar type year where he had a really good year this year and then he falls off next year? And I guess that's kind of like what what, what I'm looking at to see if that might happen. Um, so I guess I guess from my point of view. The fourth round option that I was saying is that if I if he was there in the fourth round, someone that I that I'd probably pick up if he was there for me. I am gonna take what Damon said and take it a step further. I think Josh Allen is nearly a bona fide first round pick in our league next year. I'm not saying wow. that I would take him in the first round. I don't I don't know yet because obviously everything has to do with context of how quarterbacks are gonna be valued you know, around August of next year. Mm -hmm. But I think this season that more owners than not dealt with quarterback issues where they were scrambling to find a good pair of quarterbacks, especially as we got closer to playoffs. I think there was quite a few teams that were kind of scrambling to put together a really solid pair of quarterbacks. So I think what that's going to do is naturally drive the draft price up of quarterbacks next season. And I think that you're going to see five quarterbacks off the board before the end of the second round. That's what my guess would be. And I think Josh Allen is definitely in the top three or four of those. So I could easily see him going in the first round. I'll tell you what, I would not want to be one of the first three picks next year. I think it's a really tough spot to be in, even top four. Because if you look at kind of what's available and what's out there, you have Alvin Kamara, you have Saquon coming back, you have Christian McCaffrey, and then, Patrick Mahomes is one of those players that you look at within top four, top five, and he's worth that pick, and I think he's proved it. But it's a really tough spot to be in. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I was just kind of thinking about that. So That's interesting because yeah. I think it's actually 
would be tougher to be five six because then you're getting to wide receiver territory a little bit and you could go then any you have the position. entire mixed bag. Yeah. You could literally go any position. Cause I right. think we don't have I, him in this segment, but I'll say this right now. I think whereas I said I think Josh Allen is nearly a bona fide first round pick. I think Travis Kelsey is absolutely a bona fide first round pick moving forward. Yeah. So that five, six, seven, you could even consider taking Kelsey there now. Mm-hmm. Where he right. has, you know, where we're we're talking about you have to start a tight end. It's not like you know, you start two running backs, two wide receivers, and three flexes, you know, then the the tight end position gets devalued a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But where you have to start a tight end, and where I saw a stat that Darren Waller was the only tight end that scored within 140 points of Travis Kelsey this season. Just think, 140 points was what That's separated was what separated Travis Kelsey <laughs> from the third best tight end in the league. From tight end three to Travis Kelsey, 140 point difference. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is a bona fide first round pick in my book next year. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have him. We have a different tight end for the second riser, Darren Waller, who also went in round five. He went pick 58. Uh, Damon, where do you think that he will go next year based off of the season that he had this year? Um, I think he's late, a late second, third round guy. He might, I don't think he could go over Kittle, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone takes him over Kittle in terms of uh, tight end rankings. That's where I have him. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Um, I think late second to early, early third there. Um, I think it's a really good spot for him. I think he's kind of proven his territory over there um, with Las Vegas. I, my big question is how is Henry Ruggs going to come into the next year and how much of a part of that offense is he going to be? Um, so that's my only question mark with how much he'll actually get. But I think, I think probably late, late second or early third. Yeah. I'm with you guys there. Um, late second, early third. If I have to pinpoint it very specifically, I'd probably say early third is the most appropriate because I would probably peg Kittle for that late second round value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so unless somebody right behind the guy that takes Kittle kind of panics and says, I need to get a top three tight end, then I would expect a couple picks to pass between where Kittle goes, which I expect to be late second, and where Waller goes, which naturally would be early third round. So that's where I would expect. I think we're all in agreement there. Mm-hmm. This next one's pretty interesting because this was a late bloomer. David Montgomery. He was picked in the seventh round this year, and he went pick 84 overall. Um, I'll lead off by saying I think that David Montgomery has an argument to be made for him that he is a late second-round pick now. I wouldn't necessarily be confident taking him there. I would probably err more on the side of taking him anywhere in the third round or beyond that. But I think that based on the way that running backs are valued in fantasy football, particularly in draft season, I think that he's way catapulted himself up over his last like six or seven games or however long he's been going crazy um, to get that like top 30 status. What do you think? Damon, I'll ask you first. I actually don't think he moves that high. Because if my memory is correct, last year, at the end of last year, he also had a strong finish. It might not have been his 
good as this year's. But I think before the end of it would be two years ago, he had a strong finish. And I don't think it really changed his draft position. So I don't think it's going to go as high as you say as two. I say I think the highest it could go is four, but I would say it would be five if he goes next year. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at it right now. Montgomery last year finished at – where is he at right here? I literally just saw him. He had a really strong finish right here. His last games of the year – is this from last year or this year? Oh, Probably no. from this year it, because it took he, this scored year. Over, I, yeah. <laughs> he scored over 20 points in every week since his bye week in week 11. And yeah. did you let – me, let me ask you, Damon, do you know where he finished – uh, to the top of running backs. Yep, I don't, but you're gonna tell me. Running back six. Overall. Running back six. Running back six. Does that change your mind a little bit or no? It doesn't because, okay. um, I don't think anyone here would call him the sixth best running back going into next year. And there's like a lot of top guys who are hurt, and since he's, I think his name, his namesake, kind of negatively affects him in his draft stock and the fact that he's in the Bears offense. So okay. I don't think it really affects. Okay. Eddie, we haven't heard your thoughts yet. I'd probably say the highest in my opinion is probably around like four. I think is a comfortable spot where if I see him, I'm like, okay, like I might be okay with it. Cause around that time, like you're probably going to have your, cause Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, some of those players I expect to go early third, late third, beginning of the fourth. I, I can see him in that mix and rotation of those type of running backs. Um, but, and I would honestly, out of my two running backs that I had this year with Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones, I would take David Montgomery over Aaron Jones in that position. So if, if I was in a spot where I'm in, in the third or fourth round, late third, early fourth, I think David Montgomery is a guy that, that, I, that I'd feel comfortable taking there. No early and it, it's interesting that you point out Aaron Jones specifically because Aaron Jones is the only running back that finished ahead of David Montgomery that is going to be a free agent this offseason. So his situation could potentially change yeah. from this season to next. Could gain some value, could lose some. I think him being he, he might not Bay. even be in Green Bay next year. And right. Honestly, yeah. I think it's better. He finished top five this year in an offense that had Devontae Adams. I don't know. I think that Green Bay is – let me put it this way. I don't think that Aaron Jones gets a sees a rise in value if he leaves the team. That's I think it depends. Opinion. I think it depends on who he goes to. Is, who is could, which, which team could you realistically seeing him going to that would rise – that would raise his value right now that doesn't already have like a good running back? A good running back. While you're thinking of that, I'm going to give you guys the running backs that went at pick 30 – and then the next five after that, just to see, I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to like prove you guys wrong, but just to contextualize it to the running backs that went this year around like pick 30 and directly after you had Le'Veon Bell at pick 30 for the New York jets. I think I would take uh, Montgomery in his situation. I think I would value Montgomery in his situation this coming year higher than I personally valued Le'Veon Bell with the New York jets coming into this season. Um, after that, the next running back to go was Todd Gurley, pick 39 in the Falcons offense. I think it maybe could be a toss up because I think a lot of people 
were looking at Todd Gurley as a potential steal in the fourth round this year. We know what they are now, right? Because we, we saw that the seasons yeah. that they had. But I'm trying to like think back to how I valued these guys coming into draft season. After Gurley, um, it was Melvin Gordon, pick 42 in the Denver Broncos offense. So you're kind of seeing a theme, guys in completely new offenses. And then right after that was Jonathan Taylor, a rookie running back, who Damon took 44th. I think that based on the way that I valued all of these guys coming into this draft season and how I look at David Montgomery moving forward, that I would take David Montgomery's current situation over how I perceived these guys back in August. So that's kind of why I say I think he moves up into top 30, but there definitely is an argument to be made whether he could be on the, you know, the shallower side of that or deeper in the draft behind that 30th pick mark. I could see okay. what you're saying there, but yeah. also the guys don't always move to where they should. And some guys move up when they shouldn't. Some guys fall when they shouldn't. Sure. Eddie, did you, uh, I have two spots here okay. that I think if I see Aaron Jones going to these places that I think his value will increase. Number okay. one, Denver, they have two decent running backs there, but I think it's, their running back system, I think if Aaron Jones were to go there, they'd have a solid number one. Right now, obviously, they rotated back and forth between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Melvin Gordon taking the majority of the snaps at the end of the year and kind of some of the beginning also. Um, that one think... I'm not so excited about there. there I was going to say, see, that'd be yeah, tough yeah, yeah. with the split be a tough between spot. all the carries. The one spot where I could see him going to immediately taking over the starting role and making an impact and doing better is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's backfield is okay, not great. You have a declining Ben Roethlisberger. Their running game needs to get better. You put Aaron Jones in that system, and I think that not only will it help Ben if he stays because he's planning on staying another year, like he said, but I think it'll help them run the game a little bit more because they have a running back that I feel like they can rely on a little more. Nothing against James Conner, but Aaron Jones to James Conner, I'd probably take Aaron Jones in that system. I actually completely agree with you that that would be a great landing spot for Aaron Jones for fantasy, but I definitely do not want that to happen as a Steelers fan. I'm completely against paying running backs big contracts. Yeah. After what you saw Zeke do this season, after being made the highest paid running back in the league and not even getting to 1,000 rushing yards, yeah. I'm completely against it now. And my thing is, I know Aaron Jones is going to look for a bag. I don't think regardless of where he goes, he's going to get a bag. So I think whoever takes him isn't going to be spending too much money in my opinion just because of the trend that's been while we're on the topic of aaron jones did you guys know that jamal williams is also a free agent this year so it might just be aj Dillon's backfield next year in green in green bay yeah. they really like aj Dillon, so they i can do. see that happening i wonder how much hype he's going to get going into next draft season if he is the guy and if he's the jones guy or jamal williams I wonder how much hype he'll get. I mean, he's pretty good. He did really well. He did pretty well this year in the games that he did. Play. I mean, he's probably would get the same amount of hype that Aaron Jones would get. You think so? Yes. As like a as like a fringe first, late like early second rounder. Yep. I'll tell uh, you this: Green, Green Bay running backs game, always have that kind of hype. In a game guess, where AJ yeah. Dillon had over, because most games he had like five carries or something like that, something low. He had twenty carries this past game versus Tennessee. He had 25.9 fantasy points and 124 rushing yards with two touchdowns. That's a game yeah. where he was RB1 material. Obviously, one game's a very small sample. Right. But Yeah. I'll be interested to see what happens with that Green Bay backfield this offseason. 
yeah, how it affects fantasy. I think Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are two good running backs to put in any other system. I think they'd right. work decently. I would well. love if the Steelers signed a guy like Jamal Williams. I don't think yeah. you have to pay him. A t- who Not knows? A I could be compl- I could be completely wrong. Maybe he'll be seeking a big contract, but I don't I would think like so. Like I don't think Jamal Williams is going to be seeking anything big, um, but we'll see. The next guy, the last riser that I have for us to talk about is Will Fuller the fifth. He was selected in the eighth round, pick 96. Um, Eddie, where do you think – I know he got suspended, but he was having a great year. Um, and let me contextualize great. He was just outside the top 10, but I think still firmly inside the top 12 wide receivers at the time that he got suspended. Where, do you th- where could you see him rising to for draft season next year? I could see him coming down to, to late four, five area. Um, dropping a few rounds and coming down. Um, I think, like you said, he was having a really good year. He had two weeks where he really underperformed. He had one week where he didn't score at all, but I, he had one one carry, but he didn't have any catches or anything like that. That was week two against Baltimore. And then his following week where he didn't do so great was against Cleveland week 10. He had 8.8 points outside of that. He scored at least above 14 points in every single one of his games. And he had three games where he scored high. He scored 35.1, 21 points, 24.3. And he actually scored 22.8. So four games that he had over 20 points. Um, I think I think he, he'll kind of make that jump, and he'll jump in. I think if he would have played the rest of the year, he would have broke top 10. Um, but, but yeah, I'd, I'd say late three, four area. Okay. Damon, what do you, what do you think I for Will Fuller? I disagree completely. I think Will Fuller ends up being one of those guys that's like Brandon Cooks where people just don't touch at all because he has so many question marks around him and if he's ever gonna like play a full season or even half a season but we all know he's good when he plays but it's always if he plays and that's just what he's been through his whole career so far so i could see him falling even you think falling outside of the top 100 because i don't i don't know what year it was when brandon cook's specifically fell super far and there's always one guy every draft who people just don't want to touch for whatever yeah. reason it is you used to be a big brandon cooks guy i remember like in our super early days of fantasy like i think i was in early high school you were in middle school and you were a big brandon cooks guy and then <laughs> it's it's like that it was back in his that those days. type of people that fall because some people go all in on a lot of guys and then they end up screwing them and they don't want to touch seasons, him ever again. They don't touch him. Yeah. I, I could see Joe Mixon being like that. Yeah, a we're actually going to talk about him yeah. shortly. Will Fuller, I I agree with some of what both of you said. Where I think he will go is I think that him and Brandon Cooks, assuming that they're both going to be back with the Texans, Will Fuller is going to be a free agent, but I think the Texans have come out and said that they're going to make a strong effort to re-sign him. I think that Cooks and Fuller are probably going to go or we're, we're going to see them go in a similar spot to where we saw Robert Woods and Cooper Cup go this season, which was in round five after pick 50. They went Woods went 52, Cup went 55. I think that's that seems like the right area in my mind for uh, Will Fuller as well as his teammate Brandon Cooks to go. So it's kind of anyone's guess because – 
you heard what Damon had to say. He could be one of those guys that a lot of people don't want to touch based on his injury history. You heard what Eddie had to say based on his numbers this year, people could be really excited to maybe get him in the fourth round or somewhere around there. Um, so I kind of fall in the middle of the, those two points with the blend of his production this year his team situation with having to kind of share targets with Brandon cooks, but also with his injury history, just falling right in the middle there, a little vanilla pick for myself. Fallers. Um, this first one is definitely going to be a faller. Uh, it's Lamar Jackson who went top five overall, Damon round to one. You took him number five. To your boy. I was actually <laughs> in another fantasy draft, a live auction fantasy draft when I took him. So don't judge me too hard on that one. Okay. On that number five pick. I'll ask you first where, you know, he's not going top five next he's year. He's not going top five. Where, no. how far do you think he's falling? I think it goes to three. To obviously he didn't. Yeah. He didn't have to wear his MVP season, obviously, but I still think a lot of people will have faith that he's going to have a, a better year than he had this year or next year. So I think he goes to three. No later than three. I can see Just because of his running ability alone. Yeah. I can see that. I think I, I think three is probably the right answer as well. Go for ahead, me, Eddie. I was thinking like late second or third. I mean, his stats this year weren't horrific. Obviously, his passing yards weren't great. He only had 2,600 passing yards. He was 23 to eight ratio. He had 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions. His rushing is kind of where you see it kind of differentiated. at 908 rushing yards with seven rushing touchdowns giving him 30 total touchdowns for the year and only eight interceptions. Not a horrible year. Um, I think it's just his week to week was just not extremely consistent. But towards the end of the year, if you look at his stats, he closed out the year on a really strong note. Um, So I I can see him going in the second round, anywhere in the second round, I think. I don't think he'll get taken in the first um, unless someone has that that 12, that 12-13 pick where – they might do something there, but I just – I don't see him. Question for you guys that might generate a hot take depending on your answer. Who goes first next year? Assuming that Jalen Hurts has the starting job in Philadelphia, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? L- I'm t- Lamar. Not who sure. you're taking. Not who you're taking. Who do you think will go first in our league? I think Lamar Jackson. is going first, so? yeah. Easily. You think so? Yeah. I have no problem taking Lamar in the second. Yeah, I don't think I do either. But the thing is, there's going to be some other quarterbacks available in the second round that I'd feel a little bit more comfortable taking. But I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Jalen Hurts went first. Like we're like right, a, over over Lamar this. over Lamar. This isn't in there as a as a riser or faller, but where are you taking Aaron Rodgers next year? I mean, he's he's probably the real life MVP. I know that doesn't translate to fantasy one to one, but yeah, yeah. I think he's earned top six status. Yeah. For this year. Yeah. I think he's, he's like right up there with Patrick. Like if, if you, I was going to say, I think he's like Pat Patrick, Mahomes, yeah. honestly, if you're thinking of taking Patrick Mahomes in, in a top five, top six, I think Rogers has to be right in that conversation. Obviously the youth plays a big part in it because there could be a decline in youth, but in an age, but when you're looking at how he performed this year, and if he brings those weapons back next year that he has right now and that team comes back, there's no doubt in my mind that he can do just as well. Let me clarify in case we're on different pages here. I would consider Patrick Mahomes in the top five picks. 
I'm saying for Aaron Rodgers, I would consider like yeah, top five, top five to six quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. I think he's right. a. This is I don't want to disrespect him by saying this, but I think he's a poor man's version of Mahomes. He doesn't give you running, but he does give you consistency with his arm. With his arm. But I think he gives it to a lesser extent than what you can confidently expect from Mahomes. Okay, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. So I, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is in the Kittle Waller range, late second, early third round pick. So this next one, uh, Damon, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. Joe Mixon. He was taken round two, pick twenty one overall. I think Um, that I think let me let me just insert my opinion, then I'll let you guys take it over. I think he might fall out of like the top seventy five picks. Like that might be extreme, but what is that six? Seventy five. That's that's early seventh round. Seventy fifth pick would be early seventh round. Now that sounds crazy, or at least I think it kind of does when you take it at surface level. But when you actually consider you're the one on the clock, and you're only five picks into your draft, so you're very obviously still drafting starters for your lineup. Are you confidently taking Joe Mixon as a set it and forget it starter, which is what you're hoping to get out of your first six picks? I don't no, think sure. I would. No. No, it's just like I said, I'm one of those guys who I think drafted Joe Mixon probably two years in a row now, and he's burned me twice. So I'm staying clear from him no matter where he is. Like if he falls outside of the top 100, sure you. T- I think you take a shot on him. I think anybody can justify at that point. Mm-hmm. You take a shot on him because if your entire lineup isn't full already, you're maybe using him as a second flex there with that what ninth round pick or whatever that would be. But like I said, as a as a starter, like if you're trying to fill, yeah, all the way up until your first flex, I don't think that you take a shot on somebody as risky. As Joe Mixon, and it's I, I not don't, just like this season, but he's been so volatile for four years now. Like, why would you? I don't even want to say him? it because this is the same hole that it gets and it gets me like every year. Like, I think he's gonna have a good year next year. I don't even want to say that because now I'm gonna like psych <laughs> myself into drafting him. Yeah, six but round think, next year, Damon. Dang, Joe Mixon's <laughs> on his team. I actually think he's gonna have a good year next year with yeah. Joe Burrow coming back. It'll and, probably and happen at some point. And, and I guess that's also one of my questions. Also, is with Joe Burrow coming back, you have the really good wide receiving core. Well, I wouldn't say really good, but a pretty good wide receiving. I'd core say really good. There. Yeah, they have a pretty good wide receiving core there. Um, how often is Joe Mixon gonna get used? Obviously, you need to run the ball to set up your passing game, but with Joe Burrow's scramble ability, his ability to be able to run the ball, obviously with a torn ACL, we'll see what that's like when he comes back. But I don't know. I'd probably take Joe Mixon probably six is where I'd feel the most comfortable. Six round? Yeah. Five. I was going to say five, but immediately I felt uncomfortable inside even saying it. So I'd probably say that's, <laughs> that's a big drop to someone who didn't get injured. Yeah. That's a big drop. I mean, Mixon, Mixon, yeah. Mixon did get injured. He's been out since week six. Since, I yeah, mean, since... not not like um, not like a not, serious, you're not, not you're like not, a Saquon because of his injury. Is okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're saying like blended injury and production. It's not just all based on it. It's not the injury that's making you not want to draft him, is what I'm. Oh no, definitely not the injury. Uh, I part just of think it for me is the injury. He had one big game. 
Part of it for me is like, I mean, I don't know Joe Mixon. I'm not his teammate, but I kind of think it was soft how, you know, he goes out week six. They say it's probably going to keep him out for like a month, month and a half, and he just never comes back. Like, what? I mean, that partially you, makes me just not want to want him want to be to on my team. Games at that point, it's kind of like no point to keep playing. Hey, yo, Joe, if you're listening to this right now, just let you know that Nick called you soft. Nick <laughs> or Nate called you soft. Nick, if you're listening just... to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of the Bengals, Eddie, this might be your wet dream. They might have they they could probably draft Jamar Chase if they wanted to. I don't know why they would. Like that would be I would actually be mad if I was I know he wouldn't actually be mad because that's his boy. Joe Burrow would be extremely excited. He'd be excited, if Jamar but Chase came. but if you're if you're like actually looking out for the best cons- the best uh, interest of your franchise quarterback, you're not taking a wide receiver with a top five pick when you already have yeah, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, AJ Green. If they trade, they trade down. I guess, they, but you're it, not going to see it, Jamar Chase if they trade down. Well, no, going I'm saying, top five. Yeah, I guess, man. I just, I think that'd be exciting. It'd be a waste of a pick for them, to be honest. But yeah, be really it's exciting. It would be exciting, but it would be a waste. Because AJ of a pick. Green said. is on his way out. He's got a couple more years in him, max. But I think they franchise tagged him this year, so my guess is he's done in Cincinnati. Yeah, that'd be so, my guess. So Jamar Chase. Honestly, with that wide receiving core, if they have that young, they got Boyd, T. Higgins, if they bring in Jamar Chase, that's an elite. I don't want to say elite because they're all still young, so they're technically not elite. They better open up the wallet but, for an offensive lineman in free agency yeah. if they don't take one in the first round. I think that would be really cool and a really nice nice, uh, nice bonding moment there to bring Jamar Chase there. That but, sounds cool until Joe Burrow gets sacked. As soon it's as another torn ACL. Yeah, he, he gets, gets it. A, tears the yeah. ACL again. I agree. All right, moving on from the Bengals. This one is a there's so I saw a tweet listing all the free agent wide receivers. This free agent wide receiver class coming up this offseason is stacked. Yeah. It is crazy. Here's one of them. Kenny Galladay. He went in the third round, picked 33 overall. Um, obviously, this year was a lost year because of injury. But do you think that this hurts his draft stock? Damon, I'll go to you first. Uh, I don't think it does. I mean, if people are scared, I think Kenny Kenny's a guy who, wherever he goes, he's going to have a lot of value just because he's a really good wide receiver. I think everyone thinks that. But the year, the two years ago, the year before last, this year, I guess last year, would it be? He, I think he led the league or in uh, wide receiver touchdowns, if not touchdowns. I think it was wide receiver touchdowns. So he was hurt a lot this year. I don't really see too much that can happen to him that really will affect his draft stock. So so I think he stays where he is. I don't think he rises or falls. Okay. okay. Eddie, what do you think? I, I, I think he falls, but not very far. I'd say fourth round, early fifth at the latest. Um Obviously, the injuries this year and him not playing too much is kind of worrisome. But when you look at kind of what he did this year, he played some pretty good games. That one game where he had zero points kind of brought his his average down a lot. But he had 17, 16, 14, and 17 um, with at least four targets in every single matchup. And he had over 100 yards in two of them and then two touchdowns in the other ones. So I think he's productive. And no matter where he goes, he's going to get used just like, um, Damon just said, but 
Yeah, I think if he falls, he's going to fall maybe a round or so. I agree with both of you. I think he'll still be a top 40 pick, um, barring him going to a team like, I don't know, the Packers, where there's a, there's a clear alpha dog there already. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would fall to like the fifth round or something like that in that situation. But as long as he goes to a team where there's not a clearly better wide receiver there, like another team that I could see maybe – that would sign him that there's already a better wide receiver is the Bills. Who knows where he could go. But... I mean, that's not a lot of teams, though. I think Kenny Galladay is a really, really good yeah. wide receiver. He is he really can, good, go but Stephon places. Diggs and Devontae Adams are better. Yeah, They're still yeah but alpha. not – I I guess. I guess. But, he, but I, I mean, even, even in that doomsday scenario, though. so to speak, I still think that he, he gets picked in the first five rounds. Yeah. Um, I don't think the people pull off of him too much. I mentioned that this is a stacked free agent wide receiver class. Here are the unrestricted free agent wide receivers. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller V, Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis, Nelson Aguilar, T.Y. Hilton, Tim Patrick, A.J. Green, Sammy Watkins, Marvin Jones. Some of those guys obviously... Are more scrubbish than others, but that is a that's a stacked yeah. wide receiver class. That's, that's a lot. interesting. That is a lot. I think Robinson is gone, but yeah. that that is. I agree. Okay, um, our last one potential faller. This was my guy that didn't move from my team all year. Mark Andrews. He was picked in the fourth round, pick thirty eight, and I think my memory serves me. He was the third tight end off the board. I think I saw Kelsey and Kittle go, and I thought out of Andrews and Ertz that Andrews was the better pick. I was right, but I was wrong in a sense. I mean, he was better than Ertz, of course, but he shouldn't have went this early, and he definitely shouldn't have went over Darren Waller. Uh, Eddie, where do you think that Mark Andrews might go next year? I'd say I could see him being taken probably in the fifth at the earliest. Um for me, comfortably, probably somewhere around six or seven. I think there's just so many tight ends kind of – I wouldn't say so many tight ends came out this year and really performed, but the list of tight ends that did really well this year, I think there's just too many that you look at the list and and you think, yeah, the, the, those tight ends are people that I'm going to take within the first five rounds over Andrews. Like I'd take Kasicki over Andrews next year going into that system. Um Hunter Henry, he was out for a while. I'd take him over Mark Andrews. Um, Noah Fant did pretty well this year. I think once they get their situation settled a little bit more, I might take him over Mark Andrews. Just kind of depends on the situation. But I just think there's 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 a decent amount of depth at tight end where I think Mark Andrews for me will drop four at the earliest, five, six comfortably. Sure. Damon, where do you think Mark Andrews will go? Mm-hmm. Gonna have to disagree with Eddie on this one because I there was a weird thing in the Ravens offense with their passing game that they just could never figure out for some reason, whatever that was. I think that gets fixed next year. And I don't see for me personally, I'm taking Andrews after the top three tight ends if I'm gonna take a tight end. Wow. I can't say for I'm not too confident in anyone else to be like they're so much better than Mark Andrews. 
because he still had an all right year, even though Lamar could not throw this year at all. Is that a hint like, saying that you think that the Ravens offense throwing is going to get better and you're taking Lamar again next year early? <laughs> <laughs> Number five preview. overall. Number five. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it is. But yeah, that's I don't think I I don't think he drops that far. I agree with part of what you said, Damon. I would still take him as my or I should I took him as tight end three this year. I would take him as tight end four next year. I don't think anybody's arguing that the top three are Kelsey one undisputed, and then maybe maybe a coin flip between Kittle and Waller. I think the consensus will still say Kittle number two, Waller yeah. three. Nobody's gonna take Andrews over any of those three. Yeah, but I definitely would take Andrews next. Um, I just think that there's too much uncertainty with the rest of the tight end wasteland that we saw this year. Where I disagree to an extent is I think that Andrews will go in that Waller range. Um, talking about from this past draft. I think Waller went in the fifth round, pick 58 or something like that. I could see just purely based on the separation of those top three tight ends to the quality of production that you're getting from the next best guy, there being a pretty wide gap between whoever goes third of those top three to whoever goes fourth, probably a multi-round gap. If I were the one that was direct, you know, making every single pick in the draft, that's how I would expect it to go. Things could play out differently. Maybe somebody reaches for a tight end earlier, even though they didn't get one of the top three, but I would expect him to go in like round five-ish. Um, so kind of somewhere in the middle between what you, you guys are pegging his value at next year. Any uh, risers or fallers that I did not include that you guys think I like wildly excluded here or no? Mm. Uh, not that I got, I had one early and it completely slipped my mind. That's okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure because I try to get, I try to I try to make some of these non-obvious because obviously you have um, guys like Devonte Adams who went in the second round who's going to be a clear first rounder next year. That's obvious. I tried to get guys that were either extreme jumps in value or falling in value, or some guys that were not so obvious names like Montgomery, like Will Fuller. Is Herbert? Top seven draft quarterback? No, no. I don't think so. No. Top ten, yes. But top seven, I do not think so. If I had to give you my top seven quarterbacks in no particular order, I would say Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Did I say, I didn't say Deshaun Watson, did I? Or did no, I? You didn't. No. Okay, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. Those are my top seven. Span right off the top six and then just threw in Dak Prescott right there. I was looking at that at that list right now. But I agree. I completely agree. I think Dak Prescott's gonna have a really big year next year. And they still Dallas still hasn't signed him, right? They have not. Yeah, he's still technically gonna be a free agent next year, which is kind of crazy to think about. I would probably take yeah. Herbert eight and then this might be hype. This could be me buying into two weeks way too much, but I would probably put Jalen Hurts nine. Mm. Did you put Lamar in there? I couldn't remember if you said Lamar. Actually, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not taking Lamar. I'm not taking Hurts. Um, I would probably take Lamar. I would no, not probably. I would take Lamar over Justin Herbert. So I... Justin Herbert wouldn't be in my top eight. How about I would say, I would well, say I, I'm another... taking Trevor Lawrence number one overall if I get it. So yeah. 
this is another one that I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think about with Baker Mayfield next year. What do, what do you guys expect kind of his production to be at? This year, he finished at – where did he finish at? He finished at 18th. Really he had 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I don't know. I I think the whole Odell thing, I think he's better without Odell, which is weird to say, but I just think he is. He doesn't force the ball as much um, unless they figure something out over the offseason. But I was just kind of curious to see if you guys had any thoughts. Well, someone kind of like that is like Tannehill, right? Yeah. Tannehill has to go up a, at least a little bit. Yeah, at least a little bit. I mean, he finished at seventh this year, did pretty well. And that offense didn't look like – I don't think that they're going to lose any – he didn't drop over 10 points at all this year. Not once. So. Honestly, you could – like the first 12 quarterbacks, you feel good about them to different extents, of course. Yeah. But any of the top 12, I feel like next year you're going to feel really good about. That's – you know, tell stop me when I name a guy that you would feel uncomfortable with being your QB one. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Mm, Jalen Hurts is a question mark. I, w- I would yeah. be concerned if Jalen Hurts was my number one. Yeah. Okay. A- and maybe Justin Herbert too. Herbert, I'm a little more comfortable. Joe Burrow, I'm comfortable with. I think he did pretty well this year. Ryan, Ta- Ryan Tannehill. I'd take Ryan Tannehill. I think he did. I'm really pretty well. sure that's 12 right there. That's a QB one for every single team in our league. And yes, to very much to different extents. There's a big difference between yeah. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Ryan Tannehill or Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's. I think if those are your options, I mean, twelve. I, yeah. I could be comfortable if you're saying that I. Where I picked my number one has no like um, weight on where I pick number two, if that's what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that I don't know how to say this. I'm assuming that you weight where you're selecting your QB two based on where you're getting your QB one. Agreed. Because you're taking your QB one first round, your QB two is probably not coming until later. I'm also, I guess even if you take out the QB2 conversation, you also consider the opportunity cost. Like if you're drafting a Patrick Mahomes, you're missing out on a Derrick Henry. Yeah. But if you're drafting a Ryan Tannehill, you might be missing out on a, I don't know, Todd Gurley. Really, yeah, you're not really missing out on much. Like you, you get a really strong running back, most likely, or a really strong wide receiver. And then if you're taking Ryan Tannehill right after that, I still think you're in a pretty good spot. With those so I, in other words... As long as nobody gets hurt in a major way between now yeah. and draft season, I don't really. Th- I said earlier that I think that there's going to be increased emphasis on getting a strong pair of quarterbacks. So I would expect, what did I say, five to go in the first two rounds, two rounds or something yeah. like that? I, I honestly think that number is higher. But so, on one hand, like I kind of feel that way based on how this season went, but on in another sense, like, there's 12 good quarterbacks that could be that an argument could be made that they're true QB ones. So like yeah. maybe that'll top two increase the patience already. across the board for everybody. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it'll definitely be one of the, I think 
quarterbacks that for me that that will be taken in the first two rounds for sure next year. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think Russell Wilson gets taken in the first two rounds. Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. I think, is a conversation to be taken in the first Ooh, two rounds. I disagree hard. Disagree Com- hard. In the conversation, I'm saying he will. You also have so Justin- you still have you still have Deshaun yeah. Watson, Lamar D- Jackson, Dak Prescott. So I was going to say Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar. I think I think, Tan- I think Tanny I, gets pushed to the lower end of eight, the top ten. I think there's they're on the higher end. I'm probably going to say eight will probably be taken in the first two rounds this year. This upcoming year, I wouldn't be surprised because yeah. all of them. There's a there's a scenario where like all of the top eight could finish the season as QB one. Yeah, I agree. Like, they all have the upside of QB one overall. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's a good. I mean, that's a good uh, good place to end the season, boys. Talk looking ahead to next year. I'm excited. I know it's going to be a long ways away, eight months, but in in the same sense, it's not so long. You know, eight months will probably be here before we know it. Oh yeah. Anything could, to share? We, Go we ahead. Could Damon. do really quickly a uh, way too early prediction for next year's winner. Me for league champion. A league champion. If you had to pick somebody, you can't pick yourself. yourself. Yeah, Eddie, since you always <laughs> pick yourself. Hey, I don't always pick myself. These past few uh, years, I've never. I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go, done. Jake. Jake is, is way too early to pick winner of for next year's league championship. I'm gonna go Scott. Think Scott's think I, he, he had a strong year, so I, I can see him coming back. I'm gonna say Lucas. Ooh. Lucas is That's my pick. It's a good one. Yeah. So if we yeah. can't pick ourselves, you know. Yeah, if we yeah. can't pick ourselves. I everyone mean, bets I, on everyone bets on themselves. I oh, mean, yeah. I picked Jake because he got snubbed from the playoffs and then scored the highest of the following of week. Yeah. Like Nate, you wouldn't even have been in the finals if you didn't get snubbed, which is crazy to think about. Obviously, everything happens for a reason. I was going to say, what a shoulda, coulda. That could have happened yeah, three different ways if you would have faced uh, JC instead, like if you were a different seed. Or oh, yeah. if yeah. Scott put up his performance this week, last week against Damon, he would have been in the championship. So mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, and I oh, definitely yeah, feel yeah, bad yeah. for Jake because that was a really crappy way for him to go out, but... uh that's just the nature of the game that we play. And I guess with uh, – do you want to make this announcement on here? Or do you want to talk about it in a group chat about how we're going to deal with seeding next year? Oh, let's announce it right now. Yeah. In order to avoid any kind of confusion um, about who should be seeded where and what the standings actually mean and all the tiebreakers, we are simply making the – so the first is obviously going to be record – we're going to keep track of that by hand because we're doing those two matchups per week that ESPN was it's not going to track it for us, right? That second matchup is going to be something that we track by hand. We'll send out weekly standings updates with those records. But the second tie, or the, the I guess the first tiebreaker technically is the right terminology, is simply going to be total points for on the season. Mm-hmm. That should eliminate any kind of confusion on... Well, if they're tied for the first tiebreaker, then it goes to this next tiebreaker. And if they're yeah. tied on the second tiebreaker, it goes to the third one. Points four eliminates all of that because you're not going to have the exact same amount of points scored on the season since we go up to two decimals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be the first tiebreaker that we set from now on to determine seating. Yeah, and this is a conversation that Nate and I had probably, what, like five or six weeks ago. Um, yeah, it wasn't obviously even, something yeah. that we were going to change mid-season, but yeah. as things started to become confusing, trying to track 
as the weeks wound down who was going to be in playoffs and who wasn't, it just became apparent that it would be, I think everyone would agree that it would be easier for everyone to be on the same page and understanding who is in and who is out in any given scenario. So that's why we decided to make the change Yeah, or we're going to make the change. So yeah. that's that. Anything to share in closing fellas, Damon, you're our league champ. I'll toss it to you first. Do you have anything to share? closing out our season nothing to share i think i shared everything i wanted to at the end of the last episode um yeah thank you to everyone who made uh it a good year fun year very competitive capped off with a crazy championship way, weekend say, best oh, yeah. way you can end a season with yeah the title. so congratulations so, yeah. man thank you and a hard fought to you thank you Go ahead. Nate. I would say you the same anything? thing. I would say the same thing if I if I finish first. I would say hard fought to my competitor, but I guess right. I'm the loser here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, thank you guys. You guys made it a lot of fun. Um, and it might, maybe it seems like Eddie and I come up with the majority of the ideas for the league, but I give my hat to all of you guys who are very receptive to all of the additions and improvements that we make to the league. I think sometimes people can get stuck in routine and kind of like things to remain as they are. Like this is how our fantasy league has always been. So this is how I always want it to be. So I can know what to expect every single year. I'm glad that you guys aren't like that because we're not just changing it just willy nilly. And just because we're trying to kind of make this the best and most unique league, but most unique in an appropriate sense where we're not just completely changing the dynamic of what fantasy football is most unique in the sense that it's most rewarding for everybody that actually invests themselves into competing for our league title each year. So I'm, I'm happy that we have a good group of guys and hopefully we'll bring in a 12th to replace Keegan. That's super open and receptive to not only the, the rules and the tweaks that we already have incorporated into the league, but kind of always looking to have the league's best interests in mind and make those improvements and tweaks as the years go on. So thank you guys for making uh, it a lot of fun. Uh, one last comment. Go ahead. I think the, our next step could be a, uh, a punishment for, for the worst standing. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. That's a, that's one of the, another thing that a lot of leagues do. That would have to require so, to what, some, to what extent we want to go if we, if at all, that's up to us, but like that's a, sitting for 24 hours straight in a Taco Bell, <laughs> <laughs> and you can reduce every hour by eating like a chalupa. Well, I'd, I'd eat like 12 chalupas. I mean, yeah, actually, but you're still I'd, sitting in Taco Bell 12 for 12 hours. hours with an upset stomach. <laughs> 24 chalupas, and I'll just go sit on the toilet for the next 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> That one would require a buy-in from everybody because if you oh, get yeah. even one player in the league that's like, no, I'm not doing this, then it's just not fun right. because yeah, if that guy fun. takes last, right. they're not going to do it. So yeah, hopefully, I think guy. it's a good idea, but I hope that we would get buy-in from everybody and that like this would be a good idea. Well, then you could just you could change the punishment as small or large to where people are like fine with it. Yeah, but imagine like yeah. imagine you had hypothetically had to sit in Taco Bell for 24 hours last year and this year the guy has to like I don't know go buy a tutu from Walmart and wear it <laughs> as he walks to his car in the parking lot. 
I mean, it's different, yeah. but I think you we would all agree upon the punishment every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Let's we'll just see. have the eleventh and twelfth place winners fight to a literal death. To literal death, and, and then we, we just replace, we replace the yeah, guy we who died every, every year. year. <laughs> <laughs> but me. for me, thank you guys. You guys made it a lot of fun. I'm glad that you guys. For those of you that kept up every week with the podcast, um, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. We're always open to suggestions to improve it. So if you have any, any of those, definitely hit up Eddie or I, you know, this off season. Yeah. And kind of to close it off here again, kind of what they both said, you know, thank you guys. It's been a really good year. I think this podcast is actually a lot more fun than I actually anticipated it to be. I, I really wasn't sure what to expect out of it. You know, Nate and I had brought the conversations up and have done it and you guys have really bought into it and you guys have seemed to enjoy it. And I think that kind of makes it rewarding because it makes me want to do it every week and continue to do it. Cause I know that you guys are kind of coming out and listening to it. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. Damon, congrats on winning this year. Um, well-deserved. You, you fought really well. You held your team together pretty well. Didn't make any crazy moves and you, and you kind of proved your point um, to that. So congrats on that end. And then again, kind of what on, what Nate kind of said about improving the league and everything, um, especially with the draft, I'm actually pretty happy that you guys didn't just shut down the entire idea of changing the draft, but you kind of gave alternate ideas and you kind of came out and gave us different ideas of what we might possibly be able to do, blended some ideas. Um, I think that was, that was really exciting. And I, I actually liked everyone's buy-in on that. So I really appreciate that. Um, but other than that, thank you. It's the final episode for this season. We'll be back. One more next quick announcement. One more quick announcement, Eddie. Yeah. Sean suggested to me, and I think it's a really good idea, that either A, or we could even do both. A, you and I, Eddie, sit down this off season and actually write out, like type out a document to be our league constitution so, to address all the rules, mm-hmm. all the funny situations. Cause COVID honestly could be around even next season during the yeah. NFL, where we talk about like team shut team facility shutdowns, how that changes your quarterback eligibility for the week yeah i think it's a good idea to kind of map out all those rules he also suggested maybe doing like a um owners meeting sometime during the off season where we could discuss potential changes that one would be a little bit more involved and would take you know everybody carving time out of their schedule so i'm not sure if we'll do that one but that could be another idea or we could do both um, but i definitely think it's a good idea at the minimum for us to kind of sit down and write out a document not only for us all to have, but to even provide to whoever takes over for Keegan's team. I think that would be a good thing. So no, yeah, I completely agree. To throw that uh, in. It's, a, it's a thought that I had when when you you and uh, Jake sent me yours for your baseball league. I was like, you know what? I think this might be a really good idea to have for, for our football league eventually. So yep. I'd definitely be down to do something like that. But yeah, um, again, appreciate all the input from everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you for making it out to the final episode of season one for our best player wins fantasy football podcast. Um, and you guys have a good night. Here.